Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Having a healthy life, a happy mind, and a peaceful heart. When a healthy life, you know, I've, my go-to activities has always been just walking and playing golf. For a happy mind, the, my drug for that has, has always been my work. You know, I've been lucky enough that on a daily basis, I am surrounded with really interesting people. And lastly, is a, a peaceful heart. You know, and. I have my wife, my family, and 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 God you know, as as my sources of strength for that. And good evening, welcome back to another RJ Ledesma podcast. Again, thanks so much to everybody for joining me on this lovely Tuesday evening. Again, thanks to everybody listening from all around the Philippines and all over the world to the RJ Ledesma to podcast. Have those now, in the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering you know, business personalities and entrepreneurs wish the same and thing learn for more about how have, they think about you know, business, life, what are their success secrets, how they have innovated their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal or even the next normal? Now, is there a business personality? or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the show, please let me know. Drop me a message. And just to let all of you know, we are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas, and of course, Bounce Back Network. Now, just reminding all of you, if you can, please do apply online for vaccination uh, from your local government unit and try to get your job as soon as you can. And remember, every time you get your job, hindi lang yan para sa inyong kalusugan, pati na rin yan para sa inyong pamilya, para sa ekonomiya at para sa bayan. Again, thanks so much. Let's support. Let's get our country back on track. Let's bounce back together. Now, moving on. Uh, again, every night, every time we do this show, I always say it's a very special guest. But this person, I am totally in awe of uh, because he's got a great story of him actually being very successful in Silicon Valley and coming back here in the Philippines to help build our own local startup ecosystem. My next guest is Mr. Giorgio Flores, who is the co-founder of Plug and Play Tech Center, a Silicon Valley-based technology startup accelerator, which he began back in January 2006. Now, Plug and Play at present accelerates over 2,000 tech startups yearly from all over the world in over 35 global offices, which has an access to a network of angel investors, venture capital firms, and over 520 large corporations. Now, since inception, plug-and-play startups have been able to raise in excess of nine billion U.S. dollars in funding, and they've got plug-and-play ventures in over a thousand companies in its uh, in its portfolio, which include fourteen unicorns like PayPal, Dropbox, Lending Club, Soundhound, among many others. Now, Jojo eventually returned to the Philippines in 2016, where he set up 
Launch Garage. Now, Launch Garage is an accelerator and investor in tech startups in the Philippine and the ASEAN region. Uh, Jojo currently advises startups in the country, which include Pearl Play, uh, Tangere, Taksumo, Magpie, Mober, Galileo, among many others. And many of them are very good friends of mine as well in the startup community. And last but not the least, this one very important for me. He is a board of trustee at De La Salle Lipa, as well as a board member of Animal Labs of De La Salle University. Can I please welcome you to the show right now, Mr. Jojo Flores. Jojo, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Good evening. Good evening, RJ. Thanks for having me. And uh, good evening or good morning, wherever you are, to your audience. Great. Wonderful being here. Jojo, thanks so much for taking time out. You know what? The, the funny thing is, you know, uh, Jojo has got a uh, plug and play uh, around the world and he's usually traveling all over the world. But I found out when I spoke to his daughter earlier today that because of this pandemic, this is the first time in about 25 years that you've actually been stationary in one place. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Normally, I do about 140 boarding passes a year. For the first time in 25 years, zero. <laughs> but okay. I love it. I love it. Yeah. How, how, does it, how does it feel for you not to be traveling? What did you, what did you learn from all you know, not the traveling? Did, were you actually able to become more efficient in business? What are these sort of like golden nuggets or silver linings that, that you picked up as a result of this? this uh, I think the, the, the best learning I've had since uh, for the last year, you know, is that uh, my family, especially my wife, can actually uh, live that entire year with me. And not, <laughs> so uh, not, not after all. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah, my wife probably shares the same opinion. Oh. Yeah, but uh, in business, you know, the thing is, uh, you just need to be agile enough and flexible to uh, to adapt to to these changes. And uh, thank God we've been able to uh, go through this whole challenging times. It's amazing. Uh, our last year, 2020, we were we actually had 20 percent uh, growth wow. uh, compared to 2019. You know, uh, we increased our headcount from about 500 to over 600 now. Uh, and uh, things have been really getting better. And uh, 2021, I'm sure, is going to be a blast for us. I would say not under duress, but during the pandemic, you, you grew by 20%. What do you attribute it to? Was it because of the pandemic or despite of the pandemic? What was happening that allowed you to still grow even during this time? The measurement of our, our growth, when I say 20%, is our engagement with uh with our corporate partners. And I think uh, during this pandemic, uh, they were able to further realize that more than ever, innovation and technology plays a vital role in uh, building their businesses. So, and the uh, whole process of accelerating that innovation uh, becomes, you know, fa again, faster uh, when they engage with startups. And that's that's really what uh, we offer on the table for, for these conglomerates. I see. I, I, there was a joke that was going around in the midst of the pandemic saying, uh, what is helping you accelerate your digital transformation? Is it the CEO? Is it the chief information officer? Or is it COVID? So COVID, I guess, really helped accelerate other businesses, which in effect uh, hailed off on you guys uh, being your partners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, we we see it here in the Philippines as well with uh, with the growth of e-commerce. I mean, uh, even GCash. You know, if I'm not mistaken, uh, their uh, results for uh, last year was uh, uh, even larger or bigger in terms of volume 
compared to their last three years before pandemic. So that's the silver lining that we're experiencing here. And uh, uh, same thing with government. I, I think uh, we're closing a lot of uh, deals with the government to uh, to help accelerate startups as well, bring in new technologies into the country. So it's very exciting. Joe, I, I really want to get into the meat of things and talk about your own uh, entrepreneurial journey because um, you, you, run, you run basically plug-and-play, no? And recently, in an E27 article I saw, uh, you were talking about plug-and-play, you were talking about the Philippines as being a really great destination for people to do business in, for foreigners or for foreign corporations to do business in. And, you know, as a, as a result of this crisis, many people don't seem to see that sort of silver lining. And I often tell people, you know, it depends on your mindset. If you say, you know, parang, and I'm problema sa Pilipinas, I want to I wanna leave and migrate. But ibang tao naman, and daming problema sa Pilipinas, I want to move there and solve those problems because that's where I'm going to make money. H- how do you see right now the Philippines? W- why do you think it's a great place to do business now? Why are you inviting people from the outside to come over here? Well, uh, thanks for that question. By the way, uh, I have to... I have to correct you a little bit. That article was actually written by my daughter. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so it was Cody who wrote that. Of course, she got a little guidance from me, but it was her. But anyway, going back, uh, you know, as uh, as uh, as I uh, as we said in the article, you know, uh, I think the excitement that uh, the Philippines can offer to foreign startups or even investors is, is really great, and so. First, our population. You know, it's a very healthy population. We have a healthy, well, prior to the pandemic, uh, we were posting really healthy GDP growth, you know, in the 6 7% uh, range, uh, which I, I think uh, is uh, even higher than a lot of our uh, Southeast Asian uh, neighbors. Second is uh, we, you know, the, the Filipino love, uh, the Filipinos love to be online. No? So I, I think we spend uh, about 10 hours a day online and uh, uh, and about four hours of this is even spent on on uh, such uh, on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. No? In terms of our internet economy, right now it's still at about $7 billion, but we, we think that it'll grow in the next uh, five years to uh, about $30 billion. And again, the government is also seeing this as a big opportunity for to, to move the needle in terms of uh, our GDP growth. And uh, uh, finally, uh, the uh, Innovation Act and the, and the Innovative Startup Act was put into law about two years ago. And... Uh, we are now in the process of working with government to uh, to having these uh, to having these uh, provisions in the law uh, materialize. Uh, in terms of uh, sectors, you know, we do have a strong uh, OFW market. We have a strong BPO market, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think this opens up uh, a lot of opportunities, especially in the financial. Uh, services sector. No, we also have to note that you know about half of our population are un- either underbanked or unbanked. No, so again, this is a big opportunity for fintech companies to uh, to explore. Uh, not just local companies, obviously, but the ones uh, also ab- abroad. And uh, finally, I still believe that agriculture is a is a big sector for us uh, to look at and. I think there's a lot of uh, next generation technologies there in, in farming that we can explore. 
uh, as well the use of uh, IoT devices and data analytics uh, so that we can improve yield no both uh, in crops and also with uh, produce uh, other produce and animals and so again uh, the the future really looks bright for for the Philippines and I think we speak really good English so for those uh, especially the ones coming from Europe or from the United States uh, it's a great place to be at and plus of course our beaches you know yeah. there's it's great. That's your bonus for people who want to outsource their businesses to the Philippines. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, having said that, uh, just okay, the situation, I mean, that's, that's basically sort of like what we showed. That's our presentation deck to them. That is how lovely the Philippines is here right now. With the pandemic that, that sort of stepped in and then put a bit, of a bit of a halt to our growth. How do you see it in this whole picture, thing, picture of things? Does it affect the longer-term picture of the Philippines when this pandemic came in? Or does it even improve things? Because as you know, for the BPO sector, like in the States back in 2009, the BPO grew the fastest in the Philippines because uh, when the economic recession occurred, they were looking for another place to, to come and they moved over here. That was a silver lining for us. Do you think also that there's some sort of silver lining or something that is getting being worsened by this pandemic? I, I like to think that uh, it's uh, it's going to be a positive effect, uh, RJ. The one example that I gave uh, a while ago was on financial services, you know, and so more and more the need for contactless uh, transactions uh, has become more important in our in our lives. No, again, you know, tapping into that uh, market segment that's underbanked and unbanked, you know. For micro financial products, you know, uh, either either loans or or insurance, I think uh, again, uh, still in its infancy stage, and and certainly these are, are sectors that can grow. Uh, this whole situation that uh, with the COVID actually accelerates the need uh, for these technologies to be implemented in the country. Thanks for that. And actually, uh, I understand right now that what you guys are doing uh, with uh, plug and play that. You are uh, you're in collaboration with the is that the Global Innovation Alliance? What what are you exactly doing, and how is it going to be helping the Philippines as well? We are currently working with with Enterprise Singapore, which is the government uh, agency that's handling this. And this, the Global Innovation Alliance is one of their is one of their projects. The concept is to bring Singaporean startups expand in uh, in re, uh, the regional markets, including the Philippines. So we've been doing this already in Indonesia, in the Philippines. We'll start it this year. We're also looking at doing this uh, in the EMEA uh, market, possibly China and and, uh, and Japan, Korea. You know those those markets. And interestingly enough, this project we have uh, presented to our own uh, Department of Trade and Industry, and we are now in the process of actually identifying five to ten startups that we can help accelerate by uh, giving them heightened access to the network that we have at Plug and Play in, in the other markets like like Indonesia, Thailand, Singapore, and, and, and the likes. So this, this whole concept is really to transfer knowledge, transfer technology from one, one market to another. And, and we think that that's, that's really the best way to, uh, to treat innovation and technology is to have it available for everybody uh, quickly. Hello, this is Agnes Ravasho, CEO at MDI Novaria Technologies. 
Come listen to My Digital Impact, where I talk about customer experience obsession with fellow business leaders, about relatable moments on customer excellence, and teachable experiences on customer service. My Digital Impact is available wherever you listen to your podcasts, powered by Podcast Network Asia. Check us out after listening to this one. The Singaporean startups which want to come to the Philippines and the reason they want to come here were, were those why you cite what you cited earlier on about the English language and then the the fintech. Is that one of the key reasons why Singaporean startups would like to move over here or at least uh, explore expanding into the country? Absolutely, you know they they see the Philippines as a, as a great market to uh, to grow their their products, their services, their businesses. And uh, these companies are already successful in their own rights, in their own markets. They're just looking for, for other markets to explore. So uh, we're using this whole platform now in order for that to be possible. And I think it's also going to be good for the Philippine scene because instead of us creating, trying to create products, you know, that, that will solve our problems, these solutions are maybe are already existing. And all you need to do is just... In, uh, is just bring it in and use it immediately. No? So again, that's the acceleration of technology. Uh, it's nice because it's sort of like, you know, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. If somebody's already, you're just finding the right solution to solve your problem, sort of fix it. Uh, and, and some, uh, what I would often say is that sometimes a solution that we can discover here in the Philippines might actually be a solution that, that, that can reapply not just to us as a developing country, but also to other countries as well. That's how we're able to bring our own startups to other countries. That's right. You know, like for for example, uh, uh, one of the startups that we're helping out, uh, Pearl Pay, they do a, uh, a banking software uh, solution specifically geared for our rural banks to uh, bring them up to par. Right today, we have, if I'm not mistaken, we have about 2,700 rural banks in the Philippines. And uh, these guys, you know, when they approached me, they said, you know, can you help us uh, expand to Indonesia? You know, because apparently Indonesia has close to 10,000 rural banks. Wow. So we brought them in and uh, helped them uh, get a CEO. And unfortunately, you know, they were in the middle of fundraising for, for that entity, but COVID happened. No? So we're putting that a little bit on the back burner. But uh uh, we are we are very keen on expanding that solution from the Philippines now to Indonesia. So that that's the I think the really incredible thing that people you know in a country the bigger the problem I mean the more problems you find the better the solution. So I guess that's really where the I often tell people that's where the entrepreneurial mindset comes in. I mean don't don't see these things as problems. See them as pain points which you can solve. Uh, even plug and play, you know, even plug and play. When we started this in 2006, I remember I was driving along 101 and there was no traffic. So I, I go to Saeed, who's my boss and my partner, said, you know, what's happening? You know, why is there no traffic along 101? And he said, Jojo, you know, you have to realize the bubble had just burst. I just came back from Europe then to move back to the U.S. And he said the bubble had just burst. 300,000 people lost their jobs. But the 300,000 people who lost their jobs also meant that there were a lot of startups that were being built. So when, uh, and when we were looking for the market to sell the real estate that Plug and Play was at that time, the startups became, uh, became our uh, target market. Well, so you know? if, you think, if you think about it, 
uh, startups were accelerated by the recession in the states. By, yeah. by yes, that's, exactly, that, uh, that's where Instagram, Pinterest, Groupon, yes, uh, Uber, yeah. Airbnb yes. came out of that, that recession. Yeah, during that time was when you know, and uh, it was easier for them to build teams, you know, because a lot of people were looking for jobs and they're look they were looking for their next stint, you know. So uh, it was it it was a little bit easier. Okay, to to build teams uh, during that time. Now, now, having said that, Joe, I mean, just to be clear, so many people uh, who might not be too knowledgeable about it, no, plug and play is a business that you put up in the states, which is an accelerator, and you came home to the Philippines to also put up something similar to plug and play, which was called Launch Garage. For the people who might not be in the know, or who aren't involved in the startup community, what's the difference of an accelerator in just putting up a business? What's the difference? Uh, accelerator, what uh, as the word says, you know, it accelerates uh, a process. You know, in the case of startups, uh, an accelerator comes in to accelerate that process of them to become more successful. You know, hopefully, I mean that's the that's the end goal, obviously, right? Uh, and uh, most accelerators do this by uh, coaching them, mentoring them, you know, how do you put together a pitch deck, you know, how do you go about business modeling, how do you do product market fit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, in the case of plug and play and launch garage, though we do uh, those things as well, where we focus on is trying to accelerate the success of a startup by uh, giving them access to our network of uh, number one mentors, experts, and advisors. So that's number one. Number two is we give them access to uh, uh, potential investors, whether uh, angel or early stage investors or institutional investors like VCs, even uh, corporate VCs or CVCs. And thirdly, we give them uh, access to uh, corporate uh, relationships or partnerships. No, so you know these these corporations that we work with are they do have their innovation strategies. No, but gone are the days when all R and D is just done internally. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these corporations now are opening themselves to working with startups. You know, because startups may already have the solutions that they're looking for. Right, we accelerate the startups by giving them access to these uh, corporations. And so, for as an example, one of our uh, most successful vertical that we uh, are, are running is with uh, the mobility or automotive uh, industry with uh, Daimler in in Stuttgart. Uh, they came to us and said, "We plan on building." The, this was in 2016. We have this uh, campus which they're calling Arena 2036, and they said. All of the new innovation in the Mercedes-Benz car will come out of Arena 2036. Now, uh, they said today the value of the car is 80% hardware and 20% software. But that will change in 10 years. Okay, 80% of the value of the car is going to be software and 20% hardware. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you think about it, that's really where Tesla is going. It's, more, it's becoming more and more a software car rather than a uh, just a hardware car. But anyway, so, and then Daimler said, you know, we've been around for 100 years. We're great metal vendors, but we don't know software. So here comes plug and play to bring them software solutions that touch the, uh, the connectivity of the car, uh, that touch uh, the 
self-driving uh, feature of the car, uh, electric vehicle technology, as well as ride-sharing technologies. No, this is how we work with uh, with Daimler. And uh, over the last years, uh, I believe we've done already like thirty or fifty pilots already with our startups. And by the way, we do this in our, globally in Silicon Valley, in Stuttgart, and in Singapore. And now we're expanding expanding it also over to uh, to Shanghai. It's a global search for the best technologies that can go inside inside the car, mostly software technologies. So this is you know, and and we do this in eighteen other industry verticals, you know, including you know brand and retail, uh, uh, smart cities, sustainability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So so we see a lot of uh, we see a lot of companies in a lot of industries, which is very very interesting. In your estimation, what do you look for in good startups? Which are the startups that you really want to join, plug and play, and or uh, launch a garage? Let me answer that looking at uh, from two different angles. First, as an investor, okay, we do invest as well. Uh, as you mentioned earlier uh, during the introduction, we typically look, we try to, again, try to, uh, we do very early stage Investments. So our average ticket price is between one hundred to one hundred fifty thousand dollars only, which is in in our space really small and uh, uh, early. Okay. At that stage, though, we do look at uh, three T's. Okay. First is the team. Second is uh, the technology itself, and third is traction. Among those three T's, it's it's really the team that is most important for us. Uh, in my case. Uh, I, I like using that 70% of uh, in, in the criteria. Okay, the team has to really be solid and smart, and they have domain expertise and all of these things. And the most importantly, we have if we can see that these guys can really deliver on what they're saying. You know that they have that that capacity. So that's on the that's on the investment side. Of course, we also look at. You know what problem are you take? Are you trying to solve? How big is that problem? And at the end of the day, you know, can you become a billion dollar company? Because that is very important in our game. Because uh, I only invest in one out of three hundred that we see on the acceleration side. However, uh, we take the lead of our corporate partners. You know, same as uh, like the example that I had given you with uh, Daimler with uh, Mercedes Benz. They gave us what to look for. What we do is we do the heavy lifting of looking or searching for those startups that address those particular technology searches or pain points or problem statements that our partners give us. If if there's a match, then we bring them into the acceleration. So it's totally different. You know, uh, on the investment side, it's a lot risky because we don't know what's going to happen. But on uh, on the acceleration side, the, the problem has been defined, has been defined, and then we, if we see the the solution, if it matches, then acceleration happens, and hopefully the pilot happens. Or in the case of Daimler, for example, they were looking for uh, uh, AI-driven uh, uh, sound technologies and, and semantics, and uh, we brought them a company and. Together with Tencent, they put in $100 million into the company, you know, wow. after using them as well. So these are the sort of stories that or success stories that we hope to come out of these acceleration programs. Have you just noticed any sort of like 
common denominators with regard to whether it's the team, whether it's the industry that they're solving or other characteristics that maybe, you know, I, I'm a startup, what should I look into? Or, or what characteristics are you specifically looking for? The team uh, plays a big role both on the investment side and the acceleration side. Also, what's important is that these smart fellows that are building products, you know, they build products that are, are, are market-driven, you know. Uh, the, the thing is, uh, what we've seen in the past is a lot of engineers building products, you know, because they just like build those products and not even not asking whether someone will want it, buy it, you know, or even interested in it, you know. And in, in, in our case, the products that, or the startups that that we see are, are are solving real real problems that are given to us by the by our corporate clients. What was that point when you were doing it? Medyo natakot. Was that point that you thought you you would almost fail in that business that it wouldn't succeed? And and how did you how did you I guess surpass that moment? After we you know we opened the doors to plug and play, the real estate bubble in the U.S. burst. And if you recall, you know this was the late. 2000s, yeah, yeah. there was a little bit of a depression in the U.S. that was uh, that was triggered by uh, bad real estate deals, right? You know, it was a scary it was a scary moment, you know, because I didn't know whether we could meet our mortgage payments and all of these things. But you know, we just needed to be more positive, and uh, we have considered ourselves really strong at a really strong sales organization. And uh, I remember. During those trying times, those trying years, was also the time when we really worked hard selling. And uh, in fact, the real estate community in the Bay Area were were kind of surprised at what we had accomplished because instead of us kind of folding, we actually filled the building in less than 18 months. Looking Looking at the landscape here in the Philippines, I'm sure you've seen many of the companies coming up. Do you see any potential unicorns? And if, if you do, what type of business are they in? Or if you want to mention their names, please feel free to do so. If there's some that you see. If we can consider Gcash as a startup, then uh, I think that's the, that's the nearest we have in the finish line. With the, with the last race that they did, although it wasn't officially specified or announced, uh, but they said it was nearly a billion dollar valuation. You know? wow. So... I would I would imagine that uh, that could be our the the one that's nearest the the finish line. But the far second, we do have platforms like uh, Kumu, like uh, Leica. You know that could potentially be developed uh, as our own super apps, right? And I think that's the race that we're trying to uh, accomplish right now. Maybe if Coins wasn't bought. Out earlier uh, by Gojek, maybe it could be it could have been one candidate for us for the Philippines unicorn. No, but uh, certainly uh, I think fintech and financial services area would would produce uh, like Gcash would produce uh, our unicorns and social media platforms that can develop into super apps would be uh, my uh, my also my guess and my bet. Hello there, Chinkitan here, motivational speaker, wealth coach, best-selling author, and now host of Chink Positive Podcast. 
a podcast that aims to help you to become wealthy and debt-free by teaching you on how to save, budget, get out of debt, and invest. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. Available on wherever you get your podcasts. See you there! Joe, moving on now, another question I wanted to ask you was that, okay, you were doing good in Silicon Valley. You put a plug and play and look how big it is now internationally. But you chose to come home and make your base of operations, at least personally, back here in the Philippines and to put up Launch Garage. Uh, what motivated you to come back home from Silicon Valley? You could have made a life over there. But then you came, you came back over here. For some people, we call that, you know, like people like Roland Ross of Kuma, I call it the reverse American dream. Uh, he was born there, but wants to come here. But you, you grew up here, you lived in Europe, Silicon Valley, came back here. What, what motivated you to come back here? As, as I said, you know, during my, my entire career with, with Saeed, uh, living in Europe and then in the U.S., during that time, I, my family lived here in the Philippines. So I would commute, you know, uh, back and forth uh, and eight times a year. To, to the Philippines to spend some time with the family. But uh, I guess it was uh, started around uh, 2013, 2014, when uh, my kids uh, s- sat me down and said, you know, we want you to stay longer here in, in, in Asia or Manila with us. My youngest, I remember, said, I thought you're the boss. You know, why can't you just move back to the Philippines? My main motivation was my family. I really wanted to spend more time with them. They were already growing up, you know, so it was very important, I think, for for me to spend uh, time with them now, in, especially in during these years. Uh, also, uh, Launch Garage was was an idea actually that came from one of our one of our Lasallian friends. It was actually my classmate since we were in first grade. His name's Jay Fajardo. And he said, Jojo, tara, tayo tayo ng real innovation hub built by founders for founders. So uh, that, that was uh, really interesting for me. And I, I, it was time also to really focus on giving back uh, and uh, you know sharing resources to our startup community here. Wow. So it's sort of like things came full circle. And and. If you think about it, I'm just asking, you know, it's, it's launch garage, it's not plug and play, or is it, is it plug and play Philippines? What is it? Uh, is it... No, it, it is launch garage. It is launch garage. Uh, when I came back and I said, Oh, I want to put up like a plug and play here in the Philippines, he said, Oh, do you need me? I said, no, Not really. So you can do it yourself. Yeah, I can do it myself. So uh, we uh, just did it ourselves. But of course, you know, I, I do use the the network uh, that we have at plug and play you know like for example the, the example that i gave you with pearl pay you know bring them to indonesia you know and a couple of other a lot of philippine startups that we identified to go through our various acceleration programs here in the region wow well, what, what, what a great story and and what do you see next what do you see next i guess for the startup industry here in the Philippines and, and the Philippines in general, uh, given, given everything, because you, you've got a great perspective, both, I would say, parochial and, of course, a global perspective of the Philippines in terms of the startup community. And, of course, given this pandemic, you know, as an extra layer of interest, right? 
where do you see us moving next as a country and as a startup community? I think my prime time is uh, nearly ending. <laughs> <laughs> the next for me should not be me anymore, I think. You know, uh, instead, I like to give it to this opportunity to the people around me, you know, uh, who would like to carry the this baton, you know, in the next mile uh, of this uh, of this journey. And as as I mentioned, my daughter who wrote that article, Cody, uh, so she started working for me in uh, Plug and Play last year as a ventures analyst uh, focusing here in the Philippines. No? I'm hoping that uh, she's she'll have fun with it. You know, I'm hoping that uh, she learns from it. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, she can build a career on it. You know, so and and same goes with uh, with other young members of uh, of my team. You know, I always try to make them realize that we have a special thing going on here. You know, while more than 99% of the world are, are mere users and spectators of innovation and new technologies plug and play has that extraordinary role of uh, of of being an enabler to what could happen in the future so and that's a very powerful thing to have in in your hands right and so i hope that that next phase is so i hope uh, i can use that time now to help these people around me cherish it and also, more importantly, uh, be responsible for it. No, so I think it's very important. I think that's very important. You know that uh, we continue having a purpose, a purposeful business. You know that can impact our communities, that can impact our industries, that can impact the country, if not the world. It's it's a nice playground. No, I like when you talk about purposeful business, and I often find that. There's a higher purpose, you know, start with the why, what Simon Sinek would say. And I just want to figure out, I mean, I often ask people like when I people like Bo Sanchez here on the show or people like David Almirol of Multisys, who, who's, uh, you know, who's been very steeped in his, in his faith as well. How does that in general also inform what you've been doing all these past years? How does it keep you going? How does the, how does the faith life inform what you do? You know, again, at my age, I, I really try to live a balanced life. For me, this means uh, having three things, you know, having a healthy life, a happy mind, and a peaceful heart. When a healthy life, you know, I've, unfortunately, I've never been a sportsman, you know, so my, my go-to activities has always been just walking and, and, and playing golf. You know? so, so that's how I try to keep myself uh, healthy. For a happy mind, uh, my drug for that has, has always been my work. You know, I've been lucky enough that on a daily basis, I, I, sur- I am surrounded with really interesting and uh, smart people. That has been my go-to uh, to keep my mind happy. And lastly is a, a peaceful heart. You know, and I have my wife, my family, and 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 God. You know, as as my sources of strength for that. And so. Uh, I really encourage everybody to have those simple sets of guidance, you know, as you go through life. I always wish the same thing for people to have, you know, a healthy life, a happy mind, and a peaceful heart. If there are some people here right now who are in the startup phase and they wish to join Launch Garage or even Plug and Play, how do they go about that? Oh, uh, 
we do have our websites, so you can reach out to us there. But uh, I have a really simple uh, email address. It's Jojo. You know, fortunately, I'm still the only Jojo in the in in plug in place, so there should be no confusion. Uh, and Jojo at pnptc.com. So that's Papa Norway Papa Tango Charlie PNPTC, which is plug in play tech center dot com. Thanks so much for joining us, Sir Beer Jojo. Thanks so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you get to catch up in time for for the prayer meeting after this one. And again, thank you for joining us on the RJ Ledesma podcast. If you're learning and enjoying a lot this podcast, please subscribe and invite more people and friends to listen to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Again, guys, thanks so much. Have a great week ahead. Marami salamat. God bless. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.